Welcome to the Geneva Graduate Institute's In Conversation With podcast series. In this series, we ask renowned experts and thought leaders to address pressing global issues with professors, researchers, or students. Hello, my name is Jessica Espinosa Scarraga. I am studying the master's program in development studies at the Graduate Institute, and I am from Mexico, born and raised. Hello, my name is Clara Schöpfel. Um, I'm originally from Germany and I'm also a student here at the Graduate Institute uh, focusing on global security and gender. Perfect. Today we have the pleasure to be joined by Marta Delgado Peralta, Undersecretary for Multilateral Affairs and Human Rights at the Mexican Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Undersecretary Delgado has more than 20 years, 29 years of experience in the federal government and NGOs engaged in the protection of human rights. She holds an undergraduate degree in education from the Intercontinental University and a master's degree in sustainability from Harvard University. From 2006 to 2012, she was environmental secretary in the Mexico City government, spearheading key projects that gave the city a world leadership during her role. Moreover, as Undersecretary for Multilateral Affairs and Human Rights, she has promoted Mexico's feminist foreign policy to further gender equality. And today we have the pleasure to talk about feminist foreign policy. Um, just as a quick introduction, uh, we want to explain what is our understanding of feminist foreign policy. Um, it's a framework for international relations that is centered around the social and economic well-being of marginalized individuals and communities. Um, although there exist different definitions, core principles include designing rights-based policies that work toward gender equality, advancing human security and human dignity through de-escalation, and economic policies that serve the interests of all people. That as a background, and now let's get started with some questions. Perfect. So our first questions for the Undersecretary would be, what characterizes Mexican feminist foreign policy and why was it proposed? Well, uh, I have to say that Mexico was the fifth country to baptize uh, the, the foreign policy as a feminist. So we uh, analyzed the different initiatives that were precedent to the Mexican case. Minister of Foreign Affairs Marcelo Ebrard is uh, historically committed with the gender equality, the gender perspective in the government, and uh, he asked us to analyze what initiatives were uh, outstanding or were very important around the world. So we discovered that uh, some countries uh, declared to have a feminist foreign policy and started to study what they were doing back then. So we um, realized that some countries focused, for example, in uh, multilateral fora to speak out and be uh, vocal uh, on the feminist uh, policy, but also gender equity. Uh, other countries were organizing several um, internal changes of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for be equal for women. And uh, we have decided to organize a feminist foreign policy avant-garde for Mexico with three approaches. One, gender perspective uh, as uh, a uh, core element for all our declarations and positioning uh, in the world. And uh, the intersectionality with the Mexican foreign policy, which means that we take into account also the uh, diversity and uh, transsectional approaches in the concept of a, of a feminist foreign policy. The second goal is to make 
visible the contribution of government of uh, women uh, in the foreign policy which means that we include women always in the delegations of Mexico to the uh, different congresses and uh, opportunities of participation in panels or in different uh, activities of the UN or other multilateral uh, organizations, but also making changes in the uh, census rhythm of women at the foreign service to have more Mexican uh, women ambassadors, ministers, and uh, so on. And finally, also provides coherence and congruence with the national and international government actions. And that is not, uh, that doesn't mean that Mexico uh, have uh, this equality embedded in all the policies, uh, internally speaking, because we have challenges also with violence against women, and we maybe are going to talk about Uh, this uh, later on. But this is the framework of the approaches that we are working and this policy was launched by the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Marcelo Ebrard, during the 74th uh, General Assembly in New York City of the UN and then adopted in January 2020 for Mexico. Yeah, thank you very much for outlining kind of the the cornerstones of the Mexican approach to feminist foreign policy. Um, We would be interested in in the context of that, um, as there are many different types of feminism, what would you say, like, whose feminism does the feminist foreign policy of Mexico reflect? And how did it um, come about in the sense of who were included? So, for example, civil society uh, representatives, um, did they also play a role? And if yes, in what sense? I uh, do believe that we have to take the most uh, inclusive approach or definition of feminism. And that's why we qualify also a feminist foreign policy plus, because we include also LGBT and plus rights and also minorities, indigenous communities, persons with disabilities, and so on. But uh, how this can be implemented uh, in the real life of multilateralism? For example, we partnered with an NGO, uh, uh, the Climate Project is named, to uh, convocate a young people, youth, to participate uh, uh, not just as a delegate, but as a negotiators of a Mexican, on behalf of the Mexican government, to the Conference of the Parties on Climate Change in Glasgow that took place uh, last year in uh, UK. So it was a very interesting exercise. And uh, I, as I know, uh, by, by no- nowadays, uh, there are a lot of uh, governments inviting NGOs, Or, or young people to delegate to be delegates, but not to be negotiators on behalf of the government. And uh, this uh, is uh, a process that included a, a training process for for 30 different uh, uh, young people that participated, and four and were women participated in the conference as young negotiators. It was extremely 
extraordinary experience for the Mexican government that um, we are going to do that very that very exercise for all the international fora and negotiations from other themes, not just uh, climate change, but also right now, for example, we are negotiating the post-2020 biodiversity framework and uh, different matters, not just, for example, the CSW, which is uh, fo uh, focused in gender matters, but uh, if we are to talk about peace, security, if we are to talk about the war or the uh, human rights or uh, education, science, everything must be um, from the interest of, of uh, uh, women to be part. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for that information. It seems like it's very intersectional, inclusive, and definitely comes from a sustainability point too. Um, however, we want to continue talking about maybe the relationship between domestic and international politics. So how can uh, foreign policy, especially a feminist foreign policy, be separated from domestic politics or are they together? Also, we would be uh, interested to hear your opinion on how uh, feminist foreign policy could influence domestic policy regarding the gender perspective and gender equity and, and all these these topics we were already talking about. You know what? You posted a question, but also the answer. Why? Because uh, indeed, the uh, always not in uh, just in a feminist perspective, but the uh, foreign policy is a little bit uh, always far from the domestic policy. If you are to talk about, uh, I don't know, environment or other matters or human rights. Uh, the the fact that the foreign policy is defending principles and universal values. Uh, Mexico has a very strong and very long-term, uh, very firm and prestigious uh, foreign policy, which is not really changing from one administration to another. But we also are facing uh, challenges uh, for human rights in the country. And of course, if, for example, feminicides or violence against women, Women. What we have learned uh, of the um, influence of the foreign policy to internal policy is that it's useful for the country to uh, be a uh, uh, vanguard these, uh, or, or in the top of, uh, of the discussions of these matters that we believe in as a government. And, uh, and then uh, we are organizing right now also exercises for getting the voices of the Mexican community, especially speaking about women, regarding the main um, foreign policy matters that we are discussing, in order to try to get this influence of the, mo the universal values that we are fighting for abroad uh, to the uh, national um, activities and the national activisms also, but it includes also the fact that we need to understand more what Mexicans think about the matters that we are talking about abroad. Because sometimes it's very, I don't know, you are influenced not by your nationals, but by the international community in several matters. So we want to uh, cut the bridges, uh, ma not cut the bridges, but uh, short these, uh, these uh, gaps between these national policies and the international policies, and trying also to bring the best uh, practices to our own country. 
thank you for that. Actually, um, following up on what you just said, um, we are wondering to what extent the declaration of a feminist foreign policy is met with a backlash in the domestic sense and how you deal with that. And um, kind of in, in addition to it, um, you hinted upon it with the issue of femicides and, and violence against women, that there's a, a need for cultural change. So not just this typical adding women um, and steer approach, um, but a different kind of gender understanding that um, where the burden should not only be on women to push for that, but men and all other uh, gender identities. Um, so I'm wondering, how is feminist foreign policy linked to this cultural change? Well, in first place, when we started, I have to say that some voices, for example, inside the country said, oh no, how is possible that Mexico is declaring having a feminist foreign policy, whilst we are really in a very complex situation about the women's rights in Mexico and violence, and, so, and, and that is true. But uh, once we uh, not passed not for just declare a for feminist foreign policy, but being working inside the, the ministry and, and also working with the NGOs and the local communities, for example, in an international uh, program supported by the European Union, which is named Spotlight, uh, to uh, to fight directly the feminicides and the violence against women in Mexico in the five uh, main uh, or more dangerous for women municipalities. When we took this step in very practical way, then uh, all the community that uh, is talking about uh, foreign policy started to recognizing that uh, as the Mexican feminist foreign policy established, then we have to do this and that and, and there. On, and, and I think that we are right now uh, ma making a lot of collaborations due to the willingness of the government of uh, having this kind of policy. And now it's also interesting that we have received some offers for helping abroad the Mexican NGOs for work against violence uh, uh, against women. So then it, it is healthy to having a, a feminist foreign policy, despite if you have uh, challenges inside your country. Great, perfect. Yeah, so definitely it's it falls down into the domestic policies. Okay, so we want to move further uh, with maybe a different topic. And as Mexico is one of the first countries from the global south to adopt uh, this kind of feminist foreign policy, do you think feminist foreign policy can break through colonialist structures or are they rather perpetuated by it? I cannot, uh, I have not a mind made for that because it can be different depending on the time and the country, you know. And uh, the fact is that uh, right now also at the multilateral level, the gender equality is threatened, e even in the language uh, the, of declarations or the agenda of the United Nations. And uh, if we have a categorized the, 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 in Mexico and other countries a feminist foreign policy, what it brings to the table is the fact that you cannot uh, do uh, anything but supporting the gender equality and the rights of women 
anywhere. Today, I had a lunch with all the ambassadors here in Geneva uh, who also have a feminist foreign policy. And all of them, they said that the this feminist foreign policy helped them to be strong and to stand on the rights of, of women uh, upon different circumstances that we are really dealing with uh, in, in the negotiations. So it is a, I don't know if it is a clear re, uh, reply for your question, but what the, I have to say is that this is helpful for, for diplomacy uh, to defend uh, the women in, in different matters that uh, the governments are to negotiate right now. Thank you for following up on that. Um, trying to take it back to more the, the foreign policy level again, away from the domestic a bit. Um, we're now faced um, with an unprecedented attack on Ukraine um, from Russia. And in the face of such a war of aggression, um, we heard quite a lot in the media, in the news, that something like a feminist foreign policy is just a nice idea and it's good in peacetime. But when it comes to defending against war, it doesn't really have a lot to offer and it's just a utopia. So we are wondering, in the face of such brutal realpolitik, what does feminist foreign policy have to offer in your view? Well, there's a lot of things that, uh, for example, we have been doing due to the feminist foreign policy at that level. For example, uh, of course, including Mexico was a very country that included the uh, gender perspective on the declaration of uh, that, uh, it, not, not a declaration, a resolution at the United Nations to uh, stop a war and especially uh, at allowing women and girls getting out of the violence context or of, of Ukraine. You know, for example, we were the, the country which proposed uh, this language, including women and girls. Mexico also, for example, was the first, uh, one of the first countries that uh, received Afghan uh, women. We received the robotic team of these young uh, Afghan girls in Mexico very, very soon when the Taliban took the, uh, the country. And uh, that was because we reacted very, very quickly because we have a, a feminist foreign policy. Otherwise, you can't, you know, uh, think about it or just... Uh, and other countries were a little bit late. And uh, how... Um, country with a foreign policy uh, baptized as a feminist is not going to react on that. We, we have to, you know, because we are committed with these uh, agenda. So that's the, the, the way how it helps uh, to really advance the, the agenda of women around the world uh, having these uh, policy as feminist. Thank you. And following on that same topic, maybe focusing on the demilitarization and disarmament. How can feminist foreign policy push this? Is it really just a nice idea or can it really be done through a feminist foreign policy lens? You know, I, we also need to avoid um, to solve all the problems through the feminist foreign policy. We can't. This is just a statement for a foreign policy to be uh, 
as a hierarchically speaking, uh, the women in the center and the core of our thoughts and willingness and our force and our activism. But nevertheless, uh, there are a lot of things to talk about uh, um, discernment and uh, women. Because uh, women in the world are the less armed humans. The most armed humans are men. So we need also to analyze this uh, fact that uh, women suffered a lot from war, women suffered a lot from uh, being, um, uh, of course, in charge of uh, situations, difficult situations when kids are in the context of war. Women are the, the group of people more... Um, affected in that uh, cases uh, of migration, etc. So uh, these, uh, the women peace and security agenda is one of the uh, um, most supported by the Mexican government. For example, in the Security Council, we are part right now, a non-permanent uh, member of this Security Council in the UN. And this is one of the uh, groups that we devoted more time and uh, intelligence and uh, of course, work uh, in New York. Okay. Um, what you just said in the beginning that feminist foreign policy um, is to be understood as a statement and like a clear um, sign that women and marginalized uh, groups are at the center of, of the policy. Um, we were wondering in what ways um, can it be ensured that Mexico actually walks the talk on its feminist foreign policy and not leaves it at uh, nice declarations? Well, you know, this is always difficult because changes must be um, permanent and those take time. So right now we have uh, two years of, of uh, having this kind of policy. We, this administration, have three more years to organize and to settle this feminist foreign policy as a qualifier of the policy, of course, uh, for long term. And uh, I think that that is, uh, is challenging for a government, but also if we deliver good results and uh, we can convince, uh, as we have a, a foreign service, which is the most old foreign service uh, of Mexico. And I think that with uh, their support, we can be transcendental on different administration to still walking the talk. And uh, at, as a matter of fact, Mexico has been endorsing uh, all the women uh, agenda for a long time. Uh, and that is the, the way that uh, I think that is the best because this is now a result of a permanent activism of a country. It is not just a sudden idea, not. Mexico hosted the first women conference in history back in 1975. I don't know if, if yeah. my yeah, colleagues can. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it is, yeah, 75. 75, because the other one was in Beijing in 1995, uh, 20 years after that. So uh, it is a constant in the Mexican uh, position and the Mexican multilateral activism, the uh, fact that we have supported all the women's agenda. And, uh, and now we have the Mexican foreign policy as a result of that. It is not, nothing new for the country. 
So you could say it's like an institutionalization of what the country has been doing exactly. for years. Exactly. I, I feel that that is a good way of uh, wording that. Maybe for the end, um, a bit of a more personal question. As you just mentioned, um, Mexico has been pushing for these issues for a long time and um, there are problems within Mexico but abroad um, against a feminist foreign policy. How do you um, deal with that frustration and how do you keep pushing for more feminism in foreign policy? Well, I really am um, an optimist. I, think I attended to. the Women's Beijing Conference 25 years ago. I was 25. <laughs> And, Just uh, like us. Yeah. 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 So like us right I now. am uh, now more optimist. Why? Because back then things were more tough than today. So... Uh, maybe we still having a lot of challenges. And uh, now I am afraid that being backward uh, on this agenda, it is possible. That is the thing that uh, preoccupates me a lot. Not for Mexico, but for the international community, you know, these uh, uh, w countries that are not willing anymore to write uh, on gender equality, which is embedded in all the, the, the resolutions of the last 10 and 20 years. But uh, in the other hand, I have seen a lot of women succeeding. I have, I have seen uh, uh, the thrive of, uh, of the effort of women on different fields, in private sector, in NGOs, in government. So we need to be optimistic. And uh, I... When I see that we're still having uh, discrimination or uh, lack of opportunities because being women, I remember my, my grandmother or back th that conference where we were fighting for rights that uh, you were born with, you know? So that's, that's my, my answer to that. Thank you. So I think Thank we you. as young feminists take some inspiration from you and in the end we join our forces to, yeah. to push oh, forward. Thank you. We need you. Definitely. It's a push <laughs> and pull with the women's <laughs> rights, but I guess we'll be here fighting for them for a long time. Please do so. Thank you. <laughs> gracias for gracias. your time. Gracias. No, muchas gracias. gracias. Thanks for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. For more information about the Geneva Graduate Institute, visit graduateinstitute.ch. <laughs>